0: Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Ford. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope everyone's doing well this week. You're doing your thing. And as always, I wish you success on your revolution. Making sure that you are defining and that you are on your purpose are answering successfully, that one question, that proverbial question, that thought provoking question that makes you go out and every day says, you know what, I'm changing myself, I'm changing my community, and I am changing it. We ask you, what's your revolution? And if you need any help, if you need any advice on how to fulfill that, make sure that you reach out. Charles at whatsyourrevolution.com, or you can hit me on Instagram at whatsyourrevolution, Twitter at wyrevolution, or on Facebook at What's Your Revolution. So hopefully you're doing well. I'm always fortunate to be able to sit behind this mic and have amazing guests on my show. And this week is just as ordinary as every other week. I have an amazing guest. who We're gonna have a wonderful conversation about who he is and how he's answering our question and how he is actually going out in the world and finding and embracing the healthiest versions of himself. You know, I've known this brother, let's say, hmm, 25 years now. We celebrated our 25th versary, January 29, 2019. But this brother is not only my line brother, fat brother, a good brother of Omega Psi Phi fraternity. He is my friend. And that says a lot, being an only child, being someone who grew up in a household with just his mother and father who are still my two best friends. Friends meant everything to me, especially my male friends, and, you know, meeting this brother back, you know, January 29th, 1994, this brother has been a staple in my life, he has carried me, <laughs> he has carried me, he has consoled me, he has yelled at me, he has pushed me, he has actually tackled me to the ground a couple of times when we have gotten into arguments. But at no point in time has this brother ever said, you know what, I don't want to be around you. I'm not trying to get away from you. He's always said, you know, brother, I'm with you. I've got your back, and I love you. And uh, he is my partner. He is my boy. He is my friend. He is my line brother. And he is the executive director of Exceptional Children for Broward County, one of the largest school districts in the country. Joining me today on the What's Your Revolution show is Dr. Antoine Lewis. Hickman. Oh,
1: okay. Full government name. Yeah. Hello,
0: everybody. How are you, Chuck? Hey, I'm good, dear brother. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Man, it is an honor, man. It is an honor to have you on the show. I know you come on sometimes and uh, crack a joke here and there with, uh, you know, what's going on with the show. But we've talked about, you know, in our conversations about how we were going to get you this prominent, strong, excellent leader on my show. And we've talked about because you know what's coming next, right? You know, oh, you, it's coming. I'm ready. You I ready? Thanks, <laughs> ready. So. Antoine Hickman, brother. What's your revolution?
1: My revolution, Chuck proof Chucky. It's okay to call
0: you Chucky. You can call me Chucky.
1: Okay, it's okay. Yes, my revolution, are based on that descriptor that you gave. Is to is to be a voice for the voiceless. I want to be the spokesperson for those who can't speak for themselves. Um, my career in education. Um, spans more than twenty four, well twenty twenty five years, and it is one that has afforded me the opportunity to speak for our black and black and brown boys and girls, our students with disabilities, our children who have made some poor choices, um, who've um, found themselves on the other side of I say the bell curve, but also just on the side of um, on wrong, without someone to defend them. So I wake up every day thinking how I can I make the world a better place for our children, and I want to be a spokesperson for them. So that's my
0: revolution of being a voice for the voiceless. There you go, and we have a lot of children out here, you know, who do not have the voices that they need. They can't speak up. Uh, they don't have the resources to speak up. And to have a valiant champion like you uh, in such a high-powered place to make sure that their voices and their parents' voices and their community voices are heard is an amazing thing. Um, Antoine, you know, I I got a lesson taught to me a couple weeks ago. Um, Many people don't know I've moved uh, to be the director of the Education Fellowship at Camelback Ventures. Shout out to our team, to our CEO and Walker. uh, Shout out to our 2019 Camelback Fellows uh, who are doing amazing things in education. But one thing that I learned a couple weeks ago is that you gotta, you know, you gotta bring the the highlight of the conversation to the forefront early, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta hit them like, like this is what why people want to hear about Antoine Hickman, mm-hmm. you know. And we talked about it a couple months ago. I guess it's it's been almost you know, almost a year now, Antoine, that uh, a tragedy struck uh, in Broward County in Parkland, and you know your leadership. Right, your ability to look at the landscape um, and say, what has to happen, right? Where are the changes that need to be made to make sure the voiceless, right? The children who have not been heard are heard. You know, I want you to talk just to, for a few minutes, you know, and as much as you can, to talk about what type of leadership that you have to exert after the shootings in Parkland, right? Knowing that this was your bailiwick, that you had to stand up. How did you have to show leadership in that time of crisis?
1: It was a very tough time, I must say. It was actually it was February 14, thousand eighteen. I was going to display leadership at that time. I um, was going down the stairs, um, headed to teach some um, first year principals. The the first I'm sorry, first year principals, the importance um, and things that are relevant to e- ESE, which is Exceptional Student Education in Florida even though relevant to them when I got the call um from a from a young lady right next door to said, Hey Doctor Hickman, I need you to come over to the office, there's been a shooting at Marjorie Stone and Douglas. And um you know, those kind of things you you don't want to hear and you don't you know, you're never prepared for and, and some of it is denial. And you said, No, I said, No, that's not that's not happening. What that is, that's the... um it's an active shooter training. They just didn't know. It's an unannounced active shooter training. She was like, "No, no, no, come, come over now. Come to, come over to the office next door." Um, you know, one of the supervisors is on the phone talking to her son, and he is actually there. Um, I, I did go over, and I could hear her son running, and I could, um, I I could hear her son running. And by that time, they had the internet, the the news was up. We could we couldn't hear the helicopters because it's on the other side of the county. But we could see the news, we could see the police cars, we could see them surrounding the school, we could see helicopters in the air, and I said that's a little bit more than active shooter drill. Leadership had to kick in right then. You had to remain calm, but you had to act. What could I do? Well, I had to let my team know hey, there's nothing. We haven't received any information just yet, but we need to um, remain calm and we need to pull out, pull out our protocols and, and, and act. There wasn't a time where you call around to get direction. Um, from wherever you were, you had to see a need and fill a need. So going into action like right then, it was about 3.30 p.m. by that time when, you know, we left, we met, met and convened with some other teachers, uh, I'm sorry, some other administrators across town, just getting prepared for getting kids home and then getting ready to face um, what was going to happen the next day, whether right. we were going to have school or not. So how did that you know, with with that leadership and what did you have to you had to dig down deep. We had to convene, we had to collaborate, we had to organize, we had to keep in mind, um, you know, what the purpose of our mission was and that was one is to keep our kids safe, but to educate and making sure they have the available resources. So, um, I could tell you, um, and, and the folks out there who are listening, you know, this has been one of the most trying times in my 25 years in education. It was one of the most the toughest years for me, and and I didn't lose a loved one. I didn't lose a child or or a teacher or a friend in this instance. But I know that we lost um, 17 precious lives, and then there were 17 others who were directly injured.
0: Right. But there have been thousands of people affected who have by been it. impacted. Exactly. You know, you think Antoine having to jump into leadership. And it really comes into play because the reports were that this was a, a young man who uh, would be classified as an exceptional child, right? And then all of a sudden, what the, the, the spotlight comes down Because as you said in the early part of the conversation is that you are the voice for the voices. And so now, all of a sudden, the spotlight is on your office. The spotlight is on you. How in those moments when the spotlight is on you, and I really want people to hear this, right? Because you showed extraordinary leadership. When the spotlight is on you, what did you personally have to do, right, to dig down deep, as the spotlight was on you and your organization, to say, "Wait, wait, wait a minute! This kid is classified as an exceptional child, right? Why weren't the resources there?" But I know you, and I know the things that you had to do. How did you have to jump into action to make sure things were settled, and people knew that you, Dr. Antoine Hitman, were right—the right person for the ship at the time?
1: I had—I was fortunate enough, one, the leader, the leadership above me was on point. You know, my, we have an excellent superintendent who's strong um, and courageous. And in the face of adversity, he he stood up. Um, and then above me, my boss, and I had the opportunity to kind of co-chair this um, crisis um, with a strong young lady named Mickey Pope, who's over in what we call our student support initiatives program. And so we had to link up and have conversation every day. What do we do for this? So, and now that's for all. So I have to say to you that at that time we had to focus on all, some, and few. Right. What are we going to do for all? Everyone is not going to be, you know, directly impacted, but there are going to be some who are going to be impacted more, and then there are going to be a few out of that group who are going to need some more intensive services. So for me and my role was to help with those few who, you know, providing the mental health services, making sure that, you know, um, aligning the mental health services, aligning, um even some food and resources, aligning, making sure that parents and teachers who weren't directly impacted knew how to go along with their day. You know, in my department, I'm responsible um, for, um, you know, we have 35,000. Well, I need to back up just a little bit. Um, in Broward County, there's, there's the sixth largest district in the country. There's like 270,000 students. Wow. Um, and 35,000 of them are students with disabilities and another Five thousand have um, have I what we call five hundred four plan. Right, and so to go directly to what you said about the young man um, being a student with uh, special needs, what we had to do was stand up and say, not all students with special needs are a threat. Not all students with whatever the disability this child had is a threat. And um, contrary to popular belief. He was receiving. He had received the services that he needed throughout his lifetime. Right, and so where we saw the struggle for our population of students with disabilities is being classified or being um, I
2: say,
0: you know, stigmatized. stereotyped, right? Stigmatized,
1: stigmatized as oh, you're a special ed. Oh, you have the same disability as right. they are saying he has. Exactly. Oh, you're the next shooter. Right, and that has been ongoing
0: ever since. Right, and it, it, again, it goes back, Antoine, back to what you're saying, being the voice for the voices. And you think about the stigma that goes along with children with special needs, exceptional children, and I, we classify. We've had a, like lengthy conversations on mm-hmm. how we, how we classify children with, with um, exceptional exceptional needs or exceptional children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the terminology. I love that it, it's almost equitable, and we'll, we'll get to that conversation. Um, because we cannot stigmatize, right? Because that's what we do. We stigmatize. We place labels. You will do this. But being the voice for the voiceless, Antoine, this was your moment, right? Because you're having to say, you're having to get in front of cameras. You're having to get in front of, of parents. You're having to get in front of stakeholders and community members and say, you know what? These are my people, right? And we have to understand, we have done the things that we need to do and we'll continue to do those things, Right. So for you as a leader, when you went home at night, what was it like for you? How challenging was it for you to have to unload and debrief with yourself for the daily events? And what did you do to maintain your sanity and health during those very trying times?
1: So first and foremost, when coming, standing in front of the lights and the cameras and, and representing the district, um, we had opportunities to do that. But one thing I... I Always do is just remaining humble and knowing that it is an opportunity. And so, what I saw was leaders emerge. Mm. I saw some leaders who stepped right in, and they weren't looking for the limelight. It was just work that needs to be done. This wasn't a time for um, glitz, glamour, and, cal- and 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 um, and cameras. This was a time to represent and show that you were genuinely concerned for the organization, for the students, for your staff, and and the community, and that's what, um, at the end of the day, when you did finally get home and I had to, you know had an opportunity to see my family and, and, and my children um, or my child at the time, because I only had one at the time, <laughs> but then um, it had to be, one, kiss my kids with God, I'm blessed that they didn't have to go through that. Now, what am I going to go out there and do tomorrow to keep them from having to feel like a significant number of people are feeling right now? Okay. How do I protect them? Right. And other people's children for them having to go through what that particular school
0: went through, right, you know and so we, the, yeah, and we think about what has come out of that, you know the, the tragedy uh that happened there that day, but we think about what has come out, and too often things happen in our lives, and they they go, they're pushed under the rug. people don't talk about them anymore, and one, but as you said, one, leaders emerged and i'm sure that under your leadership you were able to bring on right and to tutor right and to and to model what leadership looked like and so leaders emerge but not only leaders that were in your building antoine but the young leaders right that set out to change policy you know that's got to be something that you all as administrators have to say you know what even in the midst of this tragedy, what has come out of this. And we are seeing many of our young leaders, you know, that are very diverse, Antoine from Florida and all over the country, are saying, we're not going to take this anymore. We're going to stand up. We're going to fight. We're going to use our voice. And that's what this is. And, and that movement that comes out of that is, is tremendous. And we need to see more of our students, you know, take hold of that revolutionary spirit. And I talk about that all the time, what that looks like for our students, what that looks like for us, because they just want to live at the end of the day, right, Antoine?
1: They do. They just want to live. They, they just want they, to live. They want to live. They want their voices heard, but they they do want to be impactful on what's to come. Um, the students that came from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, you can't take anything from them. They're very, very strong, um, articulate, educated, and passionate about. Um, they were passionate before that, but definitely about creating change and Changes in the, the laws and how people are and perceive one another, um, but there's a whole another group of, of of role models and and students across the entire district. I mean, we have several. I mean, we have five thousand role models um, here um, in Florida. We have um, mentioned tomorrow's leaders. We have different mentoring programs throughout the district, and many or most are encouraged to to speak and follow their passion and. They are the Mars leaders, and they are, um, you know, our future policymakers. And guess what? We had to listen to them about how we're going to make them feel safe. We have had to um, take the students, um, you know, considerations. Um, we had to make sure that we we heard and addressed their needs while addressing what the community or parents believe what's important right exactly If we forgot in that group we would we would, we would be in, in bigger trouble so right and that's um, the important piece
0: yes. uh, great you know Antoine your leadership and really listening um, and I think and, and tell me if I'm wrong you know working with students with disabilities for as long as you've heard as long as you've had as long as I've known you I remember coming to your classroom, when you were in Newport News or Suffolk, maybe it was Suffolk coming to your mm-hmm. classroom when you were just a school teacher, and that was, you know, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. right, hanging out with you and your kids, you've had to learn how to listen, to hear, right, so you could then convey what was going on with them so you could, they could get the services, the necessary supports. And so being able to hear the students uh, from Broward County, from Parkland, right, uh, and saying, look, we're going to push you out there. Because it, those students could have been stymied. They could have been quieted. People could have said, this is not your place. And some people actually did, Dr. Antoine. They did. They, they, mm-hmm. they did. Th- that this is not your place. You shouldn't be the ones trying to push policy. Some of
1: them accused them of being crisis actors.
0: Crisis actors, right? And and that's yeah. problematic in our country. Mm-hmm. Um But I applaud the work of Broward County. I applaud the work that you did to, you know, quiet the storm, Dr. Antoine, in partnership with what you're doing. But the question that comes to mind, right, knowing that you've been able to handle this and come forward a year later, how did we, how did Dr. Antoine Lewis-Hickman get to, to this point of leadership, right? So let's go back. Let's go all the way back to Roanoke, Virginia, if you don't mind, right? Okay. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's let's
1: go back. Let's go back. Represent, call it what it is. <laughs> Roanoke, Virginia, the star city of the South. The okay.
0: star city of the South. Because you know what you think about, where you come from breeds who you are. I'm a stallion through and through. Everybody knows that. Green Run High School, class of 1989. So... What was it like for you growing up? You know, I want to say rural Virginia, <laughs> but it's not. It's not rural Virginia. It's disrespectful <laughs> to my hometown. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. But what was it like growing up? Because nobody really talks about Roanoke unless you're from Virginia, right? You're going right. to Roanoke, Roanoke right? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to my man Frankie. You remember Frankie? Uh What was Frankie's name? Frankie went to Jam, You with me? He passed. Um, Oh um,
1: Yes, I remember. I played with me at Green Eyes. Yeah, Green Eyes. We played football together. Exactly.
0: Frankie was loud, talked a lot of trash, man, but he was a good brother, man. Sorry to, yes. you know, shout-out to you, brother. Uh, I know that you're watching over us. But growing up in Rona, what were, what were the influences that you had, that's, you know, those early leadership moments for you? You know,
1: you you said a few minutes ago about when you're talking about the students, but I wrote the word there, relationship. Relationship has, created, has put me... Um, in a position of leadership, but having just excellent relationships as a young a young man born in the home, you know, to a single parent mother of three, um, being the youngest of the three. And I have often said that my brothers cannot deny that the reason that my mother stopped at the third one is because she finally got it right. <laughs> 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 we finally got it right.
0: That so. might be up for debate, there, brother. But, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they want—they—they want—they—they—they've they've given in to that. Um, <laughs> my next oldest brother is ten, and my other brother is eleven. So, having two older older brothers in the home, um, and having a very strong mother who demanded, commanded respect for herself and respect for other adults. Um, it started there, Chuck. It just started with relationship. It started with. Building and supporting, and having respect for one another, having respect for yourself, and um, failure was not an option in my home. Even though my mom was a single parent, we had, you know, it was two jobs that I had. I had, I had, to, we were in our home. I had to go, go to school, and she went to work. And based on that Chuck prove whether you know it or not, I had 13 years of perfect attendance in at school.
0: What? Yeah, man, let me tell you, bro. Yeah, never, <laughs> never missed a school lunch, Because you were the popular, everybody wanted to be around you, Antoine. Let me tell you, bro. I
1: wanted to be around them too. Yeah. I wanted to. It was, you know, a culture of love was created. I had a, I had a wonderful elementary, junior high, and high school experience. I, I loved school. I loved people, um, and I, I had some very strong influences in, you know, at very at various levels, that one. They wanted me to love school. They love school. They wanted me to love learning, and as a result, Chuck, I loved teaching. So I knew um,
2: you knew early on.
1: That's that's what I wanted to do, and so that's how it created. um, You know, that's what that's how Antoine Higgins was created.
0: Right. You know, let's let's break this down for a, a minute, Antoine. There were a couple things that came out growing up in a household with a single parent mom. You know, Mm -hmm. and both of us know we grew up with strong, strong women in our lives, right? Very, very strong. I talk about this is birth corporal all the time, and I know the influence of your mother uh, and the influence that she had on your life. You know, going to school, I had perfect attendance as well, right? I loved Mm -hmm. going to school, and just just simply like you, I loved to be around people. Mm -hmm. Why as you think? Think about this from an administrative standpoint. Why don't many of our young boys of color? like to go and stay in school? You know, it's, it's, there's, there's trust. There's self-identification
1: you know, with school. There's, there's trust in the administrator, trust in the principal. I'm sorry, trust in the teacher. Um, and trust that the system um, will help them or to evolve into productive members of society because there's a lot of negative influences and there's a lot of negative data um, but I think that there's just that lack of trust in um, in, in those different facets that create that fear and, and, well, you know, just not having a love for it. Right. I just don't remember having a significant group of people that did not trust school while we were in school. Of course you had some people who didn't go and some that dropped out, but, it was just a different time, I guess. For the yeah,
0: I mean, but because I, I think about you know that theme that you just alliterated, I mean, illuminated to, was trust, right? And I remember middle school. You know, I ran track, so I trusted my coach and I trusted my team. So I was, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. went to school, right? And I talk at length so much about my high school and you, the the power of trust there, and. I trusted my teachers. I trusted my friends. We wanted to go to school every day. Mm -hmm. We had people that believed in us, right? We had um, support factors. We had mentors. We had role models. We had teachers who believed in the content and then poured into us. You've talked at length, Antoine, in our conversations over the last 25 years about a a gentleman. I want to say he's one of your coaches who poured into you, right? Yes, sir. What was this brother's name? His name was... Coach George Killer Miller. Killer Miller. Killer Miller. <laughs> Killer Miller. Killer Miller. With a name like that, you wouldn't think he was pouring into you, it's probably. <laughs>
1: he, yeah, he was pouring. Yeah. he got away with a lot of things that um, that today would you he would he would he would, he would be locked up. There's no way around. Right. Right. <laughs> he got away with a lot of things that, but it was with love. It was. T- I mean, he 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 displayed tough love. Now, he was called George Killer Miller because he did wrestle and pin a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> he was a four time NIAA wrestling champ, um, from Elizabeth out of um Elizabeth City State University. And he was a Roanoke, um a, you know, native of Roanoke. Um but he was a he was a, he would take any he would make any young man want to be either around him, to go to school, to appreciate school, to just um he commanded that you respect others. It was he's just a great guy man. Right. When I say a mentor, mentored me from, from, from high school all the way to this day.
2: Really, I him, That's what um, we as, need. you know,
1: he's one of our frat brothers, he's right. a friend or uncle. I can call him anytime. time. It was just you know, he took me under his wing um when we didn't have I didn't have some things. So I would come home for a a break, a Christmas or a holiday break and I could go to his closet and if I needed a suit or a shirt or even a sweatsuit, and he even let me keep a couple of his gold chains one time, um, just so I could do what I could trust, love, appreciate school, and value myself and not be down because he knew how tough it is, how tough it was and how tough it is for um, young boys, young men, young African-American men to try to compete in this world. Right. But he knew some of the things that just were motivators. Right. He knew yeah. how to motivate
0: You know, Antoine, you're one of the most successful people that I know, and you you think about the lessons that our role models have taught us, right? You know, I I tell the story all the time how as you were getting your PhD, I was in the midst of getting mine. And you remember saying, well, I'm about to, you know, I'm about to uh, propose my dissertation. I should be done, right, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. next fall, right? And I was like, no, 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 I can't let this finish too much longer than me because I'm – I can't have, Look, I can't have Dr. Antoine call me like, when you going to finish this paper, brother? <laughs> you know? right, right,
1: right, right, right. Well, you know, Chuck, to be honest with you, I, I, I knew that you would have been crushed when <laughs> I um, finished before you, so I just went ahead and backed off and let you get your shine, brother. Yeah, I
0: appreciate that. That's, <laughs> that I had to come in, that I could call you for help. So yeah, that's what, I, yeah that, that that's, that's what we do, but I'm sure, and I, I, I make the comment, uh, Dr. Antoine, is that Getting to that space, you know, being Dr. Antoine, what was the, the the tidbits, the strategies, the you know, the little words of wisdom that uh, Killer Miller gave to you as you progressed on, you know, in life? Because it's those little things that we remember. For mm-hmm. instance, my father, our frat brother, mm-hmm. wonderful Charles Corporal mm-hmm. Jr., always said to me, right, you are further along than you think, right? When I would call home and the mm-hmm. person, look, the perf- perseverance meter was low, Right, mm-hmm. man. His scholarship, perseverance, mm-hmm. uplift. It was low. I just wanted to give up. He was like, "You're further along." What did Killer Miller tell you as you were coming along that really made you keep going?
1: There's no shortcuts to becoming a champion. Mm. There are no, there are no shortcuts to becoming a champion. Fear is a mind killer. Tiny you can evil. eat an elephant one bite at a time. Um, if I can do it, <laughs> you can do it. You are when when your mentor says, "Hey." Um, you're further along than I than I've ever been. I aspire to do what it is that you're doing. I have faith in you that you will be able to finish it. And by you by you completing your your doctorate, by you completing your dissertation, I will feel as if I've completed mine. And it is just that important for you to to keep fighting the fight because um, I built for it. You're 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 a warrior and a king. And those I mean I'm, the I'm not making this up and he would he if you had a conversation with him and he get to know you, he will share the same thing. He's been around and around enough to motivate people to do the things that they didn't ever think they would do. I didn't right. think I was gonna play football.
0: Can I tell a story, Chuck? Tell the story, Antoine. <laughs> tell the story. I didn't story. think that
1: I would be doctor Hickman. again, my, I didn't share this. That my mother graduated from high school when I was seven years old. And Wow! I had no idea. Hold on, hold on. That, uh, I want people yeah.
0: to digest that for a second, right? Okay. Right. How old was your mother when she graduated high school? uh Oh, now
1: you're making give me a math challenge. But I, <laughs> I was I was I was born when she was 24, so right. that would make her 30, 31. But wow. to keep in mind, I had 10 and 11 year old brothers. I mean, my brothers were 10 and 11 years older than me, which would make them at school with her when she would she had to she went to take some classes to finish.
0: Tell the story. Wow. Could you imagine? Right. Knowing
1: how we are and how we love to joke and have fun and in our communities and um let your mother come into class and taking the class. Oh, man, and let so, me tell again, you, bro. One of the funny things I say is, hey, I am so glad that I'm the youngest boy and I didn't have to live <laughs> No
0: that. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> but no, is that but, your mama again, sitting next to you right there, m- bro? Say it again? <laughs> I was like, "Is that? that's what they're saying. Is that your mama sitting next to you right Is that your there? mama sitting in these class? Or your mama come to school? Yeah. Your mama's class. I'm going
2: to yeah. tell
1: your mama when she get in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had tell her right, right. I don't know how many fights I would have been in. Man, let me but, tell you, bro. But that was but yeah, so my mom um graduated from high school. She went to high school, she wasn't gonna take a GED, refused to um she went to she went to class and earned the credits and she got her diploma from the same high school I did, William Fleming High School in nineteen seventy seven. So, um not realizing the opportunities, but we didn't know we were poor. I didn't know I was poor until I got to college. <laughs> and I was getting the minimal amounts um, at home. But anyway, how uh,
0: you your game wasn't your game wasn't no, t- no, yeah your, no. your, your style well, game wasn't tight, dear brother.
1: Oh my! That's all I had was game, <laughs> but my pockets were really
2: low.
0: Then I ain't mad at you. You and our good our good line brother, uh, yes, the impending Doctor Nathan Woodard. You yes, know what sir. I'm saying? Yes, exactly. Sir. That's a, that's an amazing thing right there to say that a line is gonna have three PhDs on it. Right? That's, really awesome. that's, yeah, really that's awesome. going to be awesome. Yeah, that is going to be phenomenal. So, you know, what was that like? You know, your mama was in high school. You gradu- She graduated when you were seven. Yep. You're at Norfolk State now, you know. Mm-hmm. You're Moving on to little... Norfolk
1: State University. You right. know, um, did, well, Norfolk State. I went to Norfolk State on a football scholarship. I had to just say, you know, I know you fast-forward me, but I did have to um, have to give a credit to this one particular story with Coach Miller. And, Go ahead, brother. And Go we ahead, had, um, you know, William Fleming High School back in the day, there was this... Um, you could smoke in school. That was a smoking block. <laughs> um, not in school but outside, but it was a smoking block where students and teachers and, you know, you would go smoke your cigarette or, or whatever, and that's where the cool people hung out at. Right. I um, Only in the sticks. I, I thought I was cool. And um, Coach Miller came through. I'm, I'm supposed to be cool and halfway hard, but not hard at all. He, were, he taught me that. Um, came through and said, hey, um, I want you on the football field you know, with the next practice. It wasn't like, hey, how are you? What's your name, young man? You know, I'd like to encourage you to come join the team. <laughs> no, no. Like uh-huh. hey, you, I want you on the football team. I mean I want you on the football field um, you know, this evening or whatever the time frame was. And I, I here, here's here's when you reveal that you're not tough. My <laughs> mama won't let me play football.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my mama will hey, that's not, won't, that sounds like Bertha corporate. My mom won't let me play football. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so what happened? What was the story? Chuck.
1: So this, George Killer Miller was a legend. A living legend. Still, he's still a legend. Uh, he said, "Don't worry about your mama. You had your butt on the football field, <laughs> right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I ain't worry about that. I know one thing. I'm not going to be playing this football." Boy, I go home, and uh, before I even had, before I even reached the house, he had already talked to my mother. Had already convinced her that I was going to be okay, and she had already agreed to let me play football. And I started playing football in the ninth grade. Didn't play any time other than that. One conversation with this man convinced I'm going to protect your son. It's going to be some. It's going to keep him out of the street. He's going to be safe, and and we're going to turn him into a productive member of society. And um, the rest was history. Chuck, I wrestled. I played football. I was on the wrestling team. I ended up being on the track team.
0: Um, what? You ran 100.
1: <laughs> you
0: don't hear anybody else laughing, do you?
1: <laughs> it was a shot put in the
0: discus, brother. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Anybody was good that? at
1: any of them, but Coach Miller made me think I was the greatest, brother. Right. And right. so, hey, next thing you knew, I ended up getting a scholarship to Norfolk State University. Um And it was one of the best decisions I made going to um,
0: um, a historically black college university. Right, right. So that influence, right? That influence has a tremendous, yeah, that tremendous relationship. Relationship. That's what you said. Relationship, and that's interesting. We we we're gonna keep that theme going because relationship seems to be the 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 foundation of who you are. Right. You build relationships professionally. You build relationships personally. Those relationships have catapulted you into the mm-hmm. positions that you are now, and I think lifelong friendships. Lifelong friendships, right? Okay. And you know, I want to spend a little bit of time just talking. You know, people who listen to the show listen to me. You know, they don't get. To, I don't bring my friends on. I I bring people on. You know, how to, let me take that back. I bring friends on, but I don't bring people like like my Ooh. family. Who can expose you and really <laughs> tell some things <laughs> if <laughs> you get out of line? You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> people listen to understand that Dr. Antoine Lewis Hickman is probably one of the funniest people that you will ever meet, right? But I think, you know, his, his jovialness, his humor is a part of his relationship building. Why is it that you think, brother, that you, you are so funny? Not even think, why are you so funny and how do you use humor to build relationships with people?
1: I don't really think I'm funny, Chuck, but I use Man. humor because when you are hey, the third born in a single parent home in the we weren't in the hood, but it was some tough it was some tough times. And Richard Pryor said tell a joker to keep him off your butt so
2: yeah,
1: no doubt. Um, sometimes you just had to had to joke now. I've always been a large guy <laughs> and at a young age it was fat. <laughs> so you learned to joke. But right. the jokes the jokes do the dozen Jonin is what we called it, ranking, I don't know, cracking on one another. Yeah, you know. I think that there were some times in those, you know, it grew to be what they called a cipher, but the ciphers became more educational. But you built friendships then Yeah. because your friends who are closest to you, they can say some things about you and it doesn't anger you. Even, but if someone else, is, you know, they can say some of your, you know, use some of your innermost secrets against you yeah. in a funny way, a humorous way, and you accept it as that. And it takes you, uh, you know, laughter is healing. So
0: Laughter is healing, brother. We had a
1: lot of good times just talking about one another, and, and it was something you just didn't, you couldn't say. Mamas were, you know, my age, nice. They were not off limits.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I was <laughs> going to say. That is, you know, I don't no, know what's no, up with some no, of no. these young they dudes, bro. I don't, I have no clue because I love Bertha. You know that. Bertha is my queen, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we would go at each other's mamas like it was nobody's right. business. Was, no, yes. Yeah, they weren't oh, off
1: limits at all. But right? now, my, my brothers that were like, you know, 10, 11 years older, Mom, that was off limits.
0: I guess so, because she was sitting in the classroom. Man, <laughs> hold on, I don't know. Women, That might have been funny at one point in time.
1: Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Antoine. Yeah, that's correct, man. That was correct. You know, mom was the, right there at school. Right there at school. Right.
0: Um, I remember, man. My boys, Quince and Kyrie, right, and our frat brother uh, Reggie Harris from Hampton, from HU uh, um, GE, the power company, brother. We would sit in lunch at Greenwood High School. And just talk about each other's mamas, man. Um, mm-hmm. Kyrie, even to the day, and we almost 50 years old, brother. You, you actually 50, right? You're 51.
1: Uh, no, sir, I'm not. I be, I'm forty <laughs> You got um, your I'll you, be you 49, 49 my birthday. Really?
0: I thought you had your AARP card already. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, so,
1: your joke still still. I bet you got ran, they run you out the um cafeteria.
0: <laughs> no, but that was the thing. But still today, right, still today, mm-hmm. Kyrie, Quince, and Reg and I can get together at almost at almost 50, 48. We'll be 48 this year and still laugh, right, and still think about mm-hmm. those times. But it, it's relationship building, right, spending time. And you think about we both, you know, are, are in the mental health profession. Mm-hmm. Laughter is healing. It is. It, laughter is healing and not taking life too seriously and not taking anything like, you know, these are my people, you're not trying to hurt me. Right. You're not trying to hurt me and just because you call my mama this or that or whatever, you ain't trying to mm-hmm. this this is how we galvanize each other. You mm-hmm. know, I wrote a sure. piece I wrote a piece um last year. I haven't put it out yet, but it still reminds me of the head nod. And these our young brothers have lost have lost the art of the head knot, Antoine. Mm-hmm. And the head nod was the head knot was I see you, right? I'm here with you, right? I'm in this space with you. I may not know you. And even, I may not like you, but I see that in this space, I need to acknowledge who you are. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Because, I like that, Joe. It's yeah, nice. you yeah. shining. That's what they say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I may not, but I'm, I'm, and if something pops off, right, any other time, yeah. I may not have your back, but in this instance, guess what? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm with you. And, I'm with you. Yeah. I, those relationships that we build, and that's why I think that, the relationship that you and I have, right, that we have built over 25 years, the, the love and joy, the, the, uh, the, the one or two arguments that we've had over 25 years have just galvanized who we are as people, as friends, as fraternity brothers. And it means so much to me, right, to be able to call and say, you know, Antoine, I need to talk to you. Let me ask you about this. You know, I remember we had a conversation a couple weeks ago. I was like, the only person I know that I can trust to give me a correct answer to call me out that I'm going to believe in. Right. It's right. Dr. Antoine right. Hickman, right? And
1: we're the only ones who knew the answer to that question Chuck, just so if the other guys are listening we could not get the answer from Tarico, Nathan Stanley. Or, Stanley or
0: or Francis. Or Francis,
1: they did not know the answer to the question that we um that we that, that, we, we posed um, to the, that you posed so, to them. But when I called you you had to work it. We 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 navigated the process yeah, we did. and figured out the answer, and we were both correct, right? As I thought it would be, but understood.
0: Yeah, and you know, you think about this, right? Why are we men of Omega? Why why was why was that your chosen way of life, brother? Why Omega Sci-Fi?
1: Man, I just thought of them as much more friendly than any other <laughs> other organization. That's just what it was. I wanted to be. It was a, it was it was friend. They were cool. There was this Ron Chapman that was walking around campus, six foot three. Um, looked like God gave him all the good parts. He was a, <laughs> <looked> like <laughs> Adonis when he came through the campus, but right. he was always poised and cool yep. and hey, spoke. Never thought he was better than anyone else. That's just one of many, but right. that's just the first one that came to mind at my time. But I know I wanted to be at Omega before I went to Norfolk State because of people like Coach Miller and some other brothers. at in in the high school, and around the community, who mentored, mentored, took their own time and their money, as 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 you know, to to bring in those who um, hey, less fortunate than the rest. That's just you know, I I was one of those.
2: Right. But
1: friendship, relationship, you know, the the, the cardinal principles of manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift. I didn't know what they were until. I became interested in the organization, but they represent exactly what it is that I believe is important to life. Right. I just think those things, you know, and I do know that our motto that friendship is essential to the soul. It's definitely essential to my soul.
0: Right, and it's essential to life. And it goes back to it really is. what we just said, laughter. I have not, look, I laugh more often with the bruhs, right? Mm-hmm. And you do. It's 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 healing. And no matter. Laughing with my dad, who's a, almost a 70-year bruh. You know what I'm saying? Actually, yeah. not even almost. This year, he has 70 years in the fraternity. Can you imagine hmm. that? No, I can't
1: imagine. Can you, He's can been, you imagine? He's done a phenomenal job. Phenom- That's for one thing. You know, you do know your, your daddy told me... Um, Thank you and take care of you, right?
0: <laughs> well, Back in hey.
1: 94, do you, are you, do, you, do you know that?
0: No, I didn't know that, but you you, did. You, you've you done a
1: great job. Thank you, You brother. know what I'm saying? And, and while you've been thanking me, let me say that, one, I'm definitely proud of you and honored to even be on this um, radio show with you, and you are doing exactly what we thought that you would do in your life. And um, when I say exceeded, no, you haven't exceeded because we expect you to do so many, many great things and you are currently doing great things and only you can only go up from here. So um
0: I'm just trying to so get that out, brother. I'm trying, but you know what I'm talking. As they uh, say, surround yourself with greatness, right? True. You are uh, the sum of the five people who are closest to you, right? Mm-hmm. And as I count you, brother, you're in that five. So thank goodness. You know Ooh. <laughs> you are the sum. The sum of the five closest people to you. So o- Omega is our chosen way of life, right? And and we yes. chose this because of friendship, right? Friendship is the center of the soul. It has given us life. It has given us laughter. It has given us healing. It has also given us some stress some days, but um, that's, a part, that's a part of family, uh, and that's what it is. And as I say that, Anton, I think about you as a father, right? As our time begins to wind down, I want to talk about, you as a father, and what does that mean for you? You know, for our our impending fathers out there, for our current fathers, for men who are thinking about fatherhood right down the road. What is it like for you to have both a son and a daughter? To be their rock, to be their leader, uh, to be their model. What does that mean for you, and how do you handle that charge every day?
1: <laughs> hey, brother Kofi, y'all couldn't see me right now, but I'm on. The, I, I just my phone vibrated, I picked it up. And the message from my wife says, we have three pieces of pizza left for you. <laughs> and this happened, like, right now. So at the end of the day, the fact that I had, first of all, my daughter, Kyle Lynn Hickman, is the best child, the best daughter, the best gift that God could have ever given me. I never knew love like this. <laughs> right. I um, She, my mother passed away when when kaya was eight months old she actually passed away on uh, august 25th which is kaya's eight-month birthday kaya was born christmas day right um and um she looks like my mother and she she's she's only you know she only probably only got to meet my mom or be around my mom maybe three or four times in those eight months however she has so many mannerisms she has a third eye like her she's a caring spirit she's loving and she's stern, and she's a mama bear um (laughs) Going home to her has been awesome. The wife, of course, um, is molding her to be a, 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 a beautiful, young, respectful woman. Now, my, my son has only been on this earth for about 15 months.
0: Yeah, Anderson.
1: Anderson, Lewis Hickman, has only been on this earth for about 15 months. And um, knowing that you have a son is fulfilling, but it's also nerve wracking. Right. I don't want to take want the show to take a twist or a turn, but you, you know, raising a young black boy up story, in this Antoine. world that we're in, with yeah. all the things on the news and you know, all the data, the statistics, the the you're not going to make it. The disproportionate representation in jail, the disproportionate representation in special education, the disproportionate representation in suicides, and not being able to read and all those things it's a lot of pressure for to to want him to not be a part of any of those statistics that I just named right and it's not going to happen naturally even though I can definitely encourage him I want him to be better than me I want him to be 10 times better than me so therefore we have to you know have to feed him just a little bit differently than I do my daughter right um but uh-huh. I think the question was, how does it feel? How do you yeah. mold them? How yeah. do you keep going? Exactly. It's the best thing in the world yeah, you've to come that. home to. It's right. the end, at the end of this day, that is something that makes me go straight home. That's right. what you drive home to. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kaya still jumps when I walk through the door. Right. Da, 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 da. And Anderson is, is, like, right behind her. And, okay, I can leave what happened in Parkland at home. Right. I'm fortunate to go home to my children. Right. I can leave what happened at work at the board meeting. I could leave what happened in the street, in the community, at the angry parent. I'm blessed to be able to go home to a wife and two children. Um and um that this is worth everything.
0: Yeah, it is. And let's not let's give a shout out to uh uh Keisha Hickman. You got to uh, give a shout out to Keisha Hickman, Angela the Keisha. Since we're giving everybody's
1: full government
0: name, <laughs> Angela and Keisha Hickman. There you go. Chesapeake, a from Virginia. There you go. Uh, there you go. Beautiful wife of yours, staple, holds you down. I know, man, holds us all down. We appreciate her so much, man, over the years. But she has just been, you know, love. She has given us and shown us all love, and, and I am so appreciative of that. And so my last question to you, and as always, this is a show for men and the people who love them, where men find and embrace the healthiest healthiest versions of themselves, right? You know what you go through every day, right? You know what you deal with. You've talked a little bit about how you go home and you sit with your family. How are you finding and embracing the healthiest version of yourself?
1: i fall in off with reading, so I read. have to read a little bit differently and read when I can and schedule time to catch up on... Most of the time, it's, it's professional. It's not even something a, a fun read, but you know, reading professionally is fun when you're sharpening your saw and honing you know, your craft. So that's important, especially with just leadership. Um, I like to bike ride. Right. I I, I before I moved here, I like to motorcycle ride, um, but I I really have um, taken up more of just biking. I used to bike with um, with headphones or music playing. Then a gentleman who rides long, long distance say, I "Hey man, you know, you take those headphones off. Hear your breathing. Hear your breathing. Mm, hear your
2: right.
1: your pedal stroke. Hear the 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 wind. Hear the birds. Hear the sound. Take yourself, and you and this that's going to be your time of, of silence where you can um, focus
0: on you, right? And let everything else go. Yeah, yeah, your breath, man. I, I I've been I'm a yogi now." Antoine, I've okay. been practicing yoga for the last two years and focusing on your breath, coming back to your breath. And we have a mm-hmm. campaign with one of the organizations. Uh, Shout-out to Chelsea. Chelsea Nudick now with Project Peaceful Warriors. Take three breaths, brother. When you feel the stress, right, take three breaths. to stop. Three breaths. And it's supposed what to calm. What kind of, If you don't mind, three, three right now. Teach everybody the three Deep ones? Yeah, three deep breaths, right? Okay. Pause, three deep breaths. Uh, The brain, it signals to the brain that there's calm, right? And that's what you want to do, you know, finding the breath. And yoga has allowed me to do that, bro. But look, you know, it always happens. The time goes by fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm so appreciative of you, the friendship, the family, everything that you provide for me, our line, Antoine was our Hantro. He still ke- still keeps us together, makes us laugh, makes sure that we're family. Brother, I appreciate your time. I congratulate you on all your success, you know, everything that you're doing. Thank you again for being on this show. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Yeah. All the best to you and your friends and family and everyone out there. Thank you, brother. You have been listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporeau, my guest today. Executive Director of Exceptional Children for Broward County, Dr. Antoine Lewis-Hickman. Make sure that you catch the show on SoundCloud.com, What's Your Revolution, on Apple Podcasts, What's Your Revolution with Dr. Doctor. Charles Korpru, and on WHIV 102.3, Thursdays at 10 a.m., the What's Your Revolution show. We will see you next week, revolutionaries, and always be able to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life. Take care, everyone.